0: Tammy? Tammy? Is my tie straight? No. How about now? Okay. Ah, oh, God's blessed me with a wonderful woman. We're going into our three-week series of Thanksgiving. Then after those three weeks, we'll go into our series about Christmas. Yes, Christmas will soon be here. The title of the day's message is Thanksgiving is Personal, Prompt, and Passionate. And of course our text is Luke chapter 17 verses 11 through 19. Now many times throughout the Bible we're instructed to give thanks to God with all our hearts. For example, Psalm chapter 9 verse 1 I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of I will tell of all your wonders. Psalm 86:12. I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. And I will glorify your name forever. And then Psalm chapter 111 verse 1. Praise the Lord I will give thanks to the Lord with what? All my heart, and the company of the upright, and in the assembly, with all my heart. We sing a lot of different songs, some more contemporary, some more traditional songs. Sometimes I play the drums, sometimes I don't. Sometimes we sing a cappella, sometimes we don't. But here's my point: when we are praising God. If it's not coming from your heart, with all your heart, then it means absolutely nothing. You can have a huge orchestra up here accompanying you, but if it's not coming from your heart, it means absolutely nothing. There's a lot more in the Bible talking about praising God with all our heart. And I'll leave that up to you homework, if you will, this afternoon, after you take your nap, after you eat everything, you take a nap, wake up, and do a search. How many times does the Bible tell us to worship God with all our heart? Now, like any discipline or skill, development takes practice and more practice. We will not learn to be grateful overnight. We have to be intentional about it. Set aside time and give thanks to God. Here are a few ideas. Alone or with your family or friends, keep a journal of gratitude. Write down what you're thankful to God about. And just keep a journal running. And I promise you, if you keep that for a year, that journal will probably grow into two or three journals as you're constantly writing down how much you have to be thankful for it's kind of like the old hymn count you many blessings see what god has done if we were to count all our blessings we'd be here for a good long time here's another idea when you pray over meals take time to give thanks to god for things other than the food such as family friends Uh, Things he's blessed you with. I think we all should at least mention thanking him for our salvation. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for paying my sin debt. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. And here's another idea. Create a playlist of worship songs that focus on gratitude and thanksgiving and take time to sing along with those praise songs. What I've done on my phone, my iPhone, I have a a, uh, playlist called Praise and Worship, and I change it around, and God has blessed me with a convertible. I put that top down. People must think I'm crazy sometimes. I'm around 287. I keep one hand on the wheel. I don't close my eyes for very long, but once in a while, in the moment, as I'm really reflecting and thinking, my right hand will go up or my left hand, depending which one I'm driving with. But I get caught up in it. And I get caught up with thinking about how much I could be thankful for. But here's something to take note. And this is where the title of the message comes from. That Thanksgiving is to be personal, prompt, and passionate. And in our text, we see an example of this. But what makes this story extraordinary, other than the Thanksgiving that's done to Jesus, specifically to Jesus, is the fact that the person who does this is a Samaritan. That's the most overwhelming, shocking thing to the story. When the audience would first hear about this story, it would grab them. A Samaritan. Now, I don't have time to belabor this, but you have to know the history of Israel to appreciate what's going on. Back in the Old Testament, the kingdom split after King Solomon. Solomon. Long story short, the north rebelled against God. They were taken of captivity. Then the south kingdom was taken into captivity. And when they were split all over the place, they intermarried with some people, some people known Samaritans. And they view the Samaritans as not real people, like half people, half breeds, if you will. A lot of, uh, how can I say, uh, hurt feelings towards them. Did not like them whatsoever. So when you hear... Even the story of the parable Good Samaritan and the comparison that's being made, I can imagine that didn't go over very well with the audience that Jesus was talking to. First century Orthodox Jewish people. And same thing is true here. Of all ten of those lepers, only one came back. And he was a Samaritan. He's the only person that comes back and expresses gratitude. Look at verse 12. He entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance. Now, we're not told the name of the village because the name of the village is not as important as what took place in it. Now, we see there's, there's ten. Now, ten is a round number. You go back to 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3, we find four lepers are at the entrance of the gate. Now, lepers would stay together for mutual aid and encouragement. They stood at a distance because the law required people with leprosy to be segregated out from the rest of the population. Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn and the hair of his head shall be uncovered. And he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the affection. He is unclean. He shall live alone, and his drilling shall be outside the camp. So they had to withdraw from everybody else. They could only be around each other, and that's where they were in groups to encourage and help each other. Now, leprosy, that term is really generic, and it's applied to a variety of skin disorders. Symptoms, white patches on the skin, could have running sores, loss of fingers or toes or both. As pointed out, they lived quarantined away from the rest of the community. They lived as outcasts. They couldn't interact with any other person. In fact, if a person started walking toward them, they had to warn them about, unclean, unclean! So that person wouldn't come to them. So they're living as outcasts. And they have this horrible skin disease. Now, to try to put this into context, we can better understand it. There was something that happened just a few years ago called the pandemic. Do you remember those days? Everything was literally shut down. I look back on that and say, how in the world did we get through all that? I remember the first time we did a live stream here, Jerry Kaiser was helping me and Forgive me, but we put a tripod right here and a little bitty webcam right on top of it, and I looked at the webcam and preached to the webcam the first time I did that. And many of you probably saw it. But everything was shut down. And we couldn't interact with people. Sadly and tragically, people faced death. And their family, clergy, could not go in during their final hours. People celebrated anniversaries and birthdays. They couldn't come together. In fact, we had our Easter sunrise service, if you remember our Easter service, right back over there in that field. It was a drive-in, if you remember that. I like to say we learned a lot back then back technology, but we still have problems. But just remember that. And this is how these people lived, 24-7. Segregated, out, from everybody else. And verse 13, it says, They raised up their voices. They cried with a loud voice. Listen to how they addressed Jesus. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, what you should do, if you have your Bible open, you should underline the word, Master. Because that is a very important word, in this verse. Because in the Gospel of Luke, only disciples of Christ were referred to him as Master. The others, who didn't know him, or weren't disciples, they would call him Teacher. And in the Gospel of Luke, I I believe I'm correct, in the Gospel of Luke, you'll never see him refer to Jesus as Rabbi. Here's the thing, and we have this kind of argument. Don't see as much today as you used to. But when you look at Jesus, either Jesus is exactly who he says he is, or he's a liar or a lunatic at best. Because some people will say, well, he was a good teacher. He took good, he took, he uh, uh, taught, excuse me, good morals and things to follow. But Jesus was not just a good teacher. He's so much more. And when you can say Jesus is only a good teacher, you're calling him a liar because Jesus, when he talks about who he is, he uses the reference, I am the way. And that word, those two words, I am, the Jewish people will go back to the burning bush experience of Moses. And when Moses asked God, who shall I say sent me? He's asking God his name. And remember God's response? I am who I am. Throughout the Gospels, it is clear that Jesus claims to be God. So when you come to that question, it's simple. Either Jesus is exactly who he says he is, or he is not. Now, they use that term, master. Now, we're not told what mercy, It don't tell you what kind of mercy they wanted, but using the term master, it's obvious they sought to be healed from Jesus. They're calling him master. And what do they say right after that? Have mercy on us. And that got me to thinking. How many times do I approach God in my own prayers, praying for myself, my wife, my children, all of you, the church, our country, and I start this long list of things I like to see God do. But never once do I start off by saying, Oh God, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on us. That is one thing our nation needs to do collectively. Lord, have mercy on us as a country. We have departed from you, we have abandoned you. You have blessed us so much, and now we curse the very name of the very one who blessed us so much. How many times in your prayer time do you ever ask God to have mercy? Now look at verse 14. When he saw them, Jesus, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. They were to show to the priests that they were healed. Now why did Jesus tell them to do that? Because of the law. Leviticus chapter 14, you can read about how they would go back to the priests and what the priests would have to do to declare them clean. Now I bring that up to tell you that Jesus affirmed the Old Testament as the word of God. He says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18 Do not think I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For I truly say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until it's all accomplished. His law has not changed, dear beloved. It's because of the sacrifice of, sacrifice of Christ and his blood that covers our sins. That's how we're saved. That's how we get into heaven. That's how we're justified. But the law remains the same. Now, Jesus doesn't pronounce them healed, though, does he? He doesn't say you're healed. He says, Go and show. And it tells us in verse 14, and as they were going, look what happened. They were cleansed, they were healed. He didn't tell them that they were healed before going to the priests. They just simply told them, Go. And here's the interesting thing they didn't ask, well, Wait a minute, are you want to heal us or not? What did they do? They went. They obeyed Jesus' instruction to go. That reveals somewhat of the faith of all ten of them that were trusting Jesus to heal them. It reveals a certain degree of faith on all their parts. Now look back in verse 15. This is where the title of the message comes in. Now one of them, you now they're all going, right? Now one of them, when he saw he had been healed, Now, we're not told what happened with the other nine, but this one took notice. You see, Thanksgiving is personal. Personal. Jesus did this for me. Can you imagine having that horrible disease? And as you're going, we're not told if they're running or walking, probably walking as they walk. He looked down and went, I'm healed. Jesus did this for me thanksgiving is personal second corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 one of my favorite verses in all of scripture therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creature a new creation the old things passed away behold new things have come when i gave my life to christ the old tim was gone he was he was dead a new tim arose with the power of the holy spirit Washed and cleansed by the blood of Christ. And now I have the Holy Spirit that indwells me. It reminds me of the story of the blind man that was healed on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees got all upset because this man was healed, but it was on the Sabbath. In John chapter 9 verse 15, it tells us the Pharisees also were asking him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, he applied clay to my eyes and I washed and I see. Basically, I don't know what he did or how he did it. He put some clay in my eyes. I washed my eyes out. Now I can see. That's all I know. They go and ask the parents of this guy. And the parents just tell them, hey, yeah, that's our son. Yes, he was born, I mean he was born blind, but now he sees. I don't know who did it or how it happened, but he's seeing. Really made the Pharisees mad. You know what made him mad? Not because he received the sight, because it was done on the Sabbath. Now, what did this man do, this leper, the moment he realized that he was healed? Look back in verse 15. He turned back. He returned. There was no delay, no thinking about it. He went. You see, thanksgiving is prompt. How often do we take for granted the things that God has done? Is doing or has promised to do. His many blessings he pours upon us every day of our lives. The very fact I got up this morning, was able to get out of bed, walk across the room, use a restroom, go look over my notes, talk to my wife, have some breakfast, get in my, get dressed, take a shower, get dressed, come and worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Those are all blessings from God not insignificant. It's blessings. But how often do we take that for granted? Or to sum it up this way, 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. See how great a love the Father has bestowed. Now I do like the NIV here. He has lavished on us that we would be called children of God. Think about that for a moment. As a believer... Disciple of Christ. You are a child of God. You are part of the family. So can I just say this in passing? If you have any beef with anybody here, forgive each other because guess what? We will be all in eternity together, so we better get used to one another. We are children of God. Now look back at verse 15. Oh, brother, I love this part. What did the man do as he returned? This is in verses 15 and 16. Glorifying God with a loud voice and fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. He was glorifying God all the way back with a loud voice. Thanksgiving, thanksgiving, Is passionate. You can say enthusiastic or or hold hearted. I love what Brother Mike did a minute ago. He encouraged us to stand and close our eyes and think about who God is, this holy, perfect God who has saved us, who has rescued us. Let's just close our eyes and lift our hands and give everything we can to praise Him. Be enthusiastic. You think... Oh, Lord, help me. You think in heaven we're going to be sitting in pews? You think we'll be silent? We've looked in the book of Revelation. Do you remember that? There's constant praise. The 24 elders around the throne, the four living beasts, everybody, the creatures falling down. What we just talked about, what we sing about, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Constantly falling down, prostrate before the Lord. Man, you see, this is supposed to be, well, really, this is practice for eternity. As we sing and lift our voices, Psalm 95, verses 1 and 2. Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord, let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Notice it said joyfully shout or joy shoutfully. Not quiet, not whisper, but shouting, lifting up our voices. And in verse 16, the last sentence, and he was a Samaritan, and as I said, This is what makes this story extraordinary, surprising. In fact, that word he is emphatic. And Luke delayed this on purpose to dramatize this fact. Now this reminded his readers, I'm sure, as I mentioned earlier, about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Because it was the Samaritan, not the Levite, and not the priest, who proved to be a neighbor. You see that back in Luke chapter 10 verses 30 through 37. And this also affirmed the subsequent history of the church, how Samaritans received the gospel, but official Judaism did not. His own people rejected him. They had the law, they had the Old Testament, it had all the prophecies, and yet when he shows up, they rejected him. They rejected him. You know, I, I can't uh, think of any scripture, I back this up, but I imagine on Judgment Day for those who reject Christ, perhaps they will remember every time they heard the gospel presented to them throughout the course of their life here on earth, but they rejected it and wishing if I just had that time now look at Jesus and how he responds to this in verse 17. Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Now we don't know why the other nine didn't come back and return to give thanks to Jesus. Maybe they took off to show their families they had been healed or perhaps they were going to the priest to show them Perhaps they had other things they wanted to do now that they were healed. We just don't know. We do know about this one who saw what Jesus did for him. Thanksgiving is personal. He immediately turned and returned back. Thanksgiving is prompt. And as he was going, he was glorifying God with a loud voice. Thanksgiving is passionate. Now, you can be passionate about something without... Raising your voice, per se. But when I'm talking about passion, I'm talking that part of your heart way down deep. That when it gets full, it just comes out. A conviction, a belief. Now these lives of these other nine demonstrate to me and you how easy it is to us to receive a blessing of God without stopping and offering thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. You see, truth, faith and worship involves praising God. And that's a proper response, by the way, of everybody who has experienced God's grace. Let me just ask a question. Raise your hands if you want to. Who in this room right now can say, I've experienced the grace of God in my life? Raise your hand. That means our proper response to that is to worship Him and to praise Him with all our hearts. That is the proper response. Now the ten lepers were healed. They experienced the beginning of faith. They all went out in faith to go to the priests. But but yet, like the seed that fell on the rock, they received Jesus' word with joy, but believed for a while, and only one soil retained the word and preserved in faith, It was the outcast of society, the Samaritan. Now, to be fair, the other nine, I can't argue from silence. I don't know why they didn't go back. But Luke is sure making a point that he was the only one that anyone knew about who came back to thank Jesus. Even Jesus says, where are the other nine? And that's the point. And he was the Samaritan. So I kind of ask you a question. Does your relationship with God center on what God might do for you or give you? You know, that's an inherently self-centered relationship. If the only time we come to God is what He may do for us or what He may give us. Or do you long to see God for who He is and worship Him for His glory and His beauty, to serve Him and submit to Him? He deserves worship simply because of who he is. And I'm telling you, when God's people hunger for his presence, desire to see him, he will make himself known in a real and powerful way. And perhaps you've heard of some of these things. The first and second great awakening, revivals. See, revival doesn't start out there by evangelizing the lost. We should be doing that anyway. Revival starts with the people of God. And they long to see Him. Can you imagine reading the Old Testament? Remember the stories? It was a pillar of fire. He split the Red Sea and they walked on dry ground. He was on top of Mount Sinai with Moses pillar of fire and thunder and the thing shook so bad the people were so scared and yet do you see that same God wrapped in human flesh beaten beyond recognition blood loss was amazing he could even walk taking the nails because he loves you that much And the whole time when those nails were going in, and as the sky drew dark, as that song by Phil Wilkham says, Sunday's coming, redemption of the world was on his heart. See, once we have developed the muscles of gratitude, we'll have an easier time expressing spontaneous Thanksgiving. And ease your time learning to recognize things that we can be grateful. And this is a responsible leper who returned to Jesus. His thanksgiving was personal, prompt, and passionate. Do you have a job that sustains your needs? Give thanks to God. Do you have family around you that loves you, supports you, no matter what? And let's face it, family has always seen us at as worst. Family can be difficult at times. But because you have family, give thanks to God. How about friends? You have friends. I'm not talking about acquaintances. See, people on Facebook, that's acquaintance. I'm talking about friends that have stood beside you, prayed with you, walked with you through the thick and thin. Give thanks to God. Do you have a church family that you can count on? That They're there for you through everything. And give thanks to God. Now, going through difficult circumstances may make this hard, spontaneous thanksgiving, but once we develop that habit, we will find that the scaffolding of gratitude can sustain us through the most darkest times in our lives. This afternoon, it's going to be a funeral here. Difficult. One of the most, I would say the most difficult thing we go through on our journey here on earth. But you know what sustains me? What God has done and what he's promised to do. I give thanks to God because he's given me grace. See, grace is unmerited favor. He took care of my need. He paid my sin debt. His own son with his blood. That's grace. And I continue to have God's grace shed on me every day of my life with so many blessings. But because of grace, now I have peace. Because before I have peace with you, I need peace from my creator. And now since I have peace from my creator, the peace that passes all understanding, the peace not based on circumstances, but based on my identity in Christ, I have peace. And you know what peace brings? Comfort. That sustains me through some of the most difficult times that myself, my wife, and our family has been through. Do you know Christ? Have you given your life to Him? Have you placed your faith in Him? Have you confessed your sins and repented? Turn away from them. Then I invite you to do that this morning. If you have done that, what's keeping you back? What's keeping you back? Because if you are a Christian, you have experienced God's grace in a real and tangible way. He has saved you. He has not only restored you he made you a new creature a new creation you have the Holy Spirit within you so what's keeping you back from lifting up and praising him with all your heart when's the last time you sat down and really pondered about God's blessed you with some of the secular artists will say this Quit complaining about what you don't have and start thanking God for the things you do have. And you will find you're one of the richest people on earth. More than all the treasures and wealth of this world, if you've given your life to Christ, redemption, salvation is far more precious than anything this world can ever offer you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Father, we do give you thanks. Oh, Father, forgive us. Have mercy on us for taking for granted so many blessings you've given us. Father, we live in a country that we're free to come to gather together and to worship you. We have friends, we have families, we have so many material possessions. More importantly, Father, you've given us our salvation. You purchased it. Have mercy on us for taking all that for granted. Father, even now continue to speak to all of us. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. Oh God, you deserve it all. You are so wonderful. You're so loving and merciful. Your grace just abounds everywhere. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that I can be your child. Continue to move and continue to speak to each and every one of us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me, please?